And this is part two of our mini podcast, Growing More Wiser and Older Within the LGBT Community, as we continue our conversation with Paul about activism. My generation uh, came out of at least, let's say, most, I, 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 was, I led the, the baby boomers, so therefore uh, I came of age in the, the, the late 50s, early 60s. That was a very turbulent period. And that was during the height of the civil rights movement. So as a black American, I, and, and, and coming out of college, I was absolutely laser sharp focused on uh, the issues of civil rights. And so therefore, the activism for me came out of that era, out of that period. Uh, as, as a college uh, 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 student, I was involved in the sit-ins and the riots, et cetera, et cetera. And I was on the leading edge of that uh, as a college student. Um, I've sort of continued that in other ways. I went into the military, mm-hmm. and I was in the military for 21 years. And I came out of the military, and I continued my activism uh, with re- working with the agency in Washington, and I was on their board of directors, but I also worked with them uh, legislatively or lobbying uh, by lobbying to Congress. The repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I've always, I've had this thing about the underdog and, uh, uh, and also social justice. So I've always been drawn uh, into those sorts of uh, 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 spheres. And so uh, I've, that has been me. Now, I also noticed that in my generation, there, there was an awful lot of that as well, uh, because we were all fighting the civil rights battle. We were all marching, you know, et cetera. That was instilled in the black youth, and I think that that level of engagement sort of continued in that generation. The generation that has followed us has not had that to deal with. Yeah, they are standing on our shoulders, right? And so, therefore, they have not had a uh, anything like what we had in order to cultivate activism, political activism, uh, uh, civil rights activism, etc. I think they have been sort of handed that, and so, therefore, uh, there's there's been nothing to really what. Uh, uh, hone their skills. I watched them during Black Lives Matter, and I uh, and and I noticed that most of that leadership were of the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about uh, uh, kids in the 20s and 30s at this point. And but I noticed that that was it. It didn't metastasize to the entire culture didn't metastasize to the race they were pockets and I don't take anything from them they were energetic they were dynamic but I didn't feel the level of activism among that generation to spill over to others to spill well to permeate the the youth culture the way it did the civil rights youth culture and I don't see quite the leadership okay at the municipal level any of the levels, whether yes. it's municipal, state, federal, whatever. I, I don't, 
because we don't have that driving, what, tumultuous issue that we had in the Civil Rights Movement when all the televisions were just blaring with uh, cross burnings and uh, governors standing in the doorway uh, blocking the entrance of young uh, uh, black kids, rioting and uh, sit-ins and, uh, and protests. That was a very tumultuous period in the 60s. And uh, that galvanized, but it also really uh, what energized a, a, a whole generation uh, of black men and women. But it, it wasn't just the youth, it was uh, uh, the, the, the energy, uh, even uh, we found, you know, parents of youth, etc., yeah. involved. But there was also a core leadership, people who stood at the helm and guided. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't see that. Okay. And I've wondered, uh, where has it, you know, is it there? Uh, is, can it be, you know, can we generate that? Is it, you know, I'm not sure. But um, I think it'll take something really, really big. And I don't think it's happened yet. Well, you know, I I'm also can look at how technology may be possibly maybe changing the scope of protesting. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing a lot of protests have actually been developed mm -hmm. via Facebook, mm -hmm. you know, oh, yes. and yeah. they're just simply mm -hmm. gravitate towards one another. Everyone says, mm -hmm. I'm going to be here at this particular designated mm -hmm. time. So do you see technologies also being a part of building, not only building our society, but also building our personal lives? Because sometimes it may be accused mm -hmm. that the generation that seems to be growing older doesn't seem to accept technology as easy as other others are. Do you agree with that? Or not? I agree with that. And uh, uh, we're all sitting back watching the younger generation use uh, social media and technology okay, to really organize and uh, create huge protest actions. I mean, just the thing that comes to mind right now is the, the, the women's marches that occurred the day, the day after the inauguration of Donald Trump. Women's marches occurred, and there were far more than just women, there were, you know, when, women, men, and children marching uh, in most of the metropolitan cities in, in this country, and also in the cities in Europe. And there was a massive demonstration yeah. And how did that get organized? Right. It got organized through social media. Yes. 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 People weren't just calling one another and saying, hey, we're doing that. No, social media had a pervasive yes. impact on. You know. And so that's what's going to happen. I believe that's how it's going to happen from here on out. Yes. In terms of protest and civic action and activism. Yeah, one thing I've always wondered, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the the idea of growing older within the community, I always thought the older you get, you know, loneliness has got to be on top of the list. And then again, I just found that in general in gay, in just the gay world in general. A lot of people just don't want to be, whether you're younger, whether you're older, but are you finding that to be a bigger issue uh, for yourself? 
not for myself, but I've heard a lot of my peers say that. Be- because if you want to have a social life, you have to work at it. True. You ha- you, if you want friends, you've got to be a friend. Right. And so true. I have a very busy social calendar. I had a friend who said, can we get together this weekend? And I went, well, no, I'm busy this weekend. Maybe <laughs> next weekend. I've got a full social calendar. So um, I don't feel isolated. I'm very active in the community and very active in my circle of friends. One of the nice things about getting older, and I've only been here two years, but I've actually formed a nice circle of friends, and I spend quality time with them. And so I don't have to just go out to the clubs or the bars, make a few phone calls and have a nice evening dinner and drinks, uh, an evening out at the theater or something with my friends, and we have a great time, and that's quality time. And it's a good social life. I'm very gratified with it. You you know, that's... That's always good to hear. I'm glad. You know, it's telling to me you're really enjoying your years. And to me, I I like that. I really do like to come across people who actually are enjoying their life. As time progresses, they just go with the changes. And to me, I'm, I'm seeing that you really are enjoying those changes. Mm-hmm. Now, I think one of the, I think a couple of years ago, I did read an article uh, where this particular guy, you know, he actually wrote a book. Uh, he was in his 50s, I believe, 55, I believe. And he was talking about how confident you should be and, you know, how great everything is to be older within the gay community. And right after the book was published, he committed suicide and because of his loneliness. And so when I, I, I hear that, it's like, wait a minute, you know, is this becoming more of an issue? But it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem that way for you. And no, but you can still be 20 and lonely. That's so lonely is not necessarily age-specific. But a lot of times when you get older, you have health issues. You know, the body, you know. Right. We wear them out when we live. <laughs> and the replacement parts aren't quite available. Um, some people do. And, right. And, and thanks to, to modern medicine. Yes, um, yeah. And I'm certainly one of those people who lives better because of modern medicine. So I complain. Uh, I'm diabetic and take my pills and manage it that way. And nice. I, you know, worried about other aging issues, and you know, and I laugh and go, you know, my back hurts, and I don't dance as hard and walk as far and run right. as fast as I used to. But you know. I still take a young fella and go, you know, there's some ways I can keep up with you, and there's some places where you need to keep up with me. <laughs> so, I mean, now, I've asked, you know, them all the same thing in terms of how they've seen their friends, you know, mm-hmm. progress, in terms of how they've seen them accept the process of going older within the community, mm-hmm. and how has it been for some of the people that you've kept close within your life? Have you seen the same also within your uh, life in terms of people who are also coupled, maybe, or maybe people who just tend to enjoy the process as long as they have somebody. Because I'm beginning to see that the biggest fear has been loneliness. Mm-hmm. And but you're with a couple for mm-hmm. close to 39 years here, mm-hmm. so you've never really had to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And so, but ha- what have you seen within your close circles? Have you seen the same process of people mm-hmm. who are also coupled? Mm-hmm. Or do you see them also kind of not necessarily within a, a close relationship like yours? Uh, there's been a broad spectrum of people in my life. I have a lot of different uh, uh, types of people in my life. Some in my professional life. My uh, uh, I have a social network, but I also had uh, um, people that 
or in my activist life, because I've had a very rich activist life, but most of my friends, uh, close friends, are also coupled. Okay. But I still have quite a few that are not, and for varying reasons. Uh, the ones that are coupled, uh, the handful of uh, friends that I have, uh, we're very like-minded. We, our values are very, very similar in terms of our willingness to do the give and take that it takes okay. to be in relationships. And, and we've supported one another through the years around that because it's not always easy, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're socialized as men to fit in that model of intimacy that it requires to be in a relationship or married. And so therefore, we have to learn those skills. Those skills are not intuitive to us because of how we're socialized in our culture. So we've got to work at it much harder. And we've got to get help uh, because it's uh, it's not obvious for us. Plus, we don't have a society that supports the union of two men. Our society, our traditions, and all of the uh, social norms uh, tend to discourage as opposed to encourage uh, two men or two women uh, coupling uh, in relationships. And you've seen them make it last for 39 years. So I guess the process of, which I now see a different Mm -hmm. side of it, Uh, growing older or growing wiser uh, within the community, at the same time with a couple and then surrounding yourself with other couples Mm -hmm. the process tends to be would you say probably better than some of your counterparts some of your friends and would you say that process has been much better for you probably not necessarily better uh but but very different uh i have very strong relationships with men who have decided to remain single for many for their various reasons um, and uh, their choices have been very different. Of course, many of them are, are, are top professionals and therefore they're married to their jobs, but they get a lot of satisfaction out of that. But they also have to find uh, uh, ways to, you know, to, to interact with, with their peers and also have intimate relationships as well. I think we all look for that. Uh, uh, and, and I think you can have intimate relationships with people without necessarily being married to them. Okay. Uh, as a mental health professional, I've spent my second career really focusing on uh, male relationships. And uh, in Washington, D.C., for almost 20 years, uh, that was my primary uh, 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 career, career for, uh, focus. Okay. Okay. And and I saw many different types of couples trying to come together and merge their lives in a relationship and the types of give and take that's required to make that happen. Because we come from different parts different walks of life, everybody has to bring their differences in to a relationship and try to make all of them work. Right. And uh, uh, that's not always easy. So I find that those who have been successful, and these are my friends, okay, 
have brought to their relationships a lot more wealth, okay, a lot more security. Okay. 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 Than those who have not. And it's because I think it's cheaper for two to live uh, in our society. That is true. You know, it's, uh, it's one, it's two people supporting one household. It's, from that standpoint, I think that once they get it right, get, when, I, when I say get it right, I mean get it to the place where it's working, then there's a lot that's brought. Not only the companionship, the, uh, uh, the, the mutual emotional and spiritual support that we give one another, but also the accumulation of wealth, the accumulation of, uh, you know, a family. Okay. Uh, many of us, uh, I'm one of the lucky ones where my entire family, extended family, have embraced us. Uh, and then I have my own two children who have their own families. Yes. And their families have families, et cetera. So therefore, it has been a huge, for me personally, it's been a, a huge networking of, of, of uh, many different families coming together to support us. Now, making friends. Um, I know that was something that I had a conversation the other day with Carlton. And, you know, he, he kind of have a different perspective on making friends. Are you at this point... Uh, interested in meeting more people within the same uh, age uh, that you are or, or you just basically say you know what? I'm pretty good with my own friends I don't need to extend the olive branch out to anyone and mm-hmm. where, where are you in that process or even as a couple just in terms of opening your opening your, your life to a little bit more people mm-hmm. uh, growing as you grow a little bit older you know I have many many friends um, because I love friends um, I love making friends. I, I enjoy people, and it has an awful lot to do with my personality. But to be honest with you, I have enough friends. You know why? Because it takes so much work to keep and to cultivate and maintain strong relationships. Mm-hmm. You've got to be willing to talk to people, get back to people, reach out to people, etc. And there's only so many hours of the day, and you're only one person. So... Uh, I struggle with maintaining all the kinds of. Uh, you put in a nursing home. No one wants uh, to be bothered. In order to, they're, they're, they to bring in cats and dogs to, and pets to, and animals to, to, to and birds, them. so they can identify uh, with them. But that's sort and, of part um, of the way I. You know, am. people just don't have time uh, for them. They just, they just don't. They just have their own so issues. He likes having a very and they small their, group their, of intimate friends. And he revolves. So his basically, life what you're saying is, around this time, of course, mine is far more because no one seems to care. So and no one uh, sometimes I kind of overwhelm him well, with pulling him out. I like to associate with all of mine. It depends. It's, it's and, um, who I am. It's what right, I do. Right, right, right. Nothing wrong with that. And, and, and I love it. I, I enjoy it. But I have to be careful not to overextend myself to the point where that, you know what I'm saying. Right. I don't have enough. You like to get the oh sure absolutely, and then they'll say, "Friendships have to be nurtured. They have to be present over here for dinner." And they said, "And then of course I do have some friends that I've had for many years. I can go five years. 
Now that's Without how it's supposed to work. Right, right. Maybe <laughs> I get it. No, you're right. Like Absolutely. In order to build something, that's how it's supposed to work. Right. It's supposed to be give and take. <laughs> Absolutely, give and take. Give you know, and take on both sides. And and you know, and and I was I'm very pleased with that. And and but that's so few and far in between. Like I say, it's taken me five years. Gotcha. <laughs> It should, meeting people on a daily basis, it shouldn't be that difficult. But you keep doing it. You keep going. You keep extending oh, it. I know, but it's, it's so hard. I mean, my God. And it can't be that age because I consider myself outgoing. But at the same time, you haven't stopped. You haven't no. stopped extending no. that. Extending no. that. Why? Um, because of who I am. I'm a socialite. I've been a socialite all my life. And when that came to abrupt halt, um, that, that was the adjustment, the biggest adjustment. And the few friends that I have left in Seattle and in uh, Pittsburgh, that's their issue. And what makes it worse, they're older than I am. And they they are so uh, bored and so lonely, they don't know what to do. They don't, because no one wants to be bothered with them. Um, and they don't have all these technical skills and don't know how to. And we're not used to meeting people online. Yeah. And then all the people we know, and we, which is part of the aging process too. The people we know that are dead. They died off. Gotcha. Even my sister, she's 66. She said, most of my friends are dying. I said, well, Sandra, that's part of the process of life, and it's going to get worse. Gotcha. And it is. Gotcha. So, you know, we recognize that, and um, so we just do the best we can. Gotcha. And with gay people in general, a lot of us, our, our gay family is more important than our biological family. But you feel the gay families is just the same as the heterosexual family? Uh, or do you feel there's still a sort of togetherness? Well, I feel closer to my gay family than I do my uh, biological family. Gotcha. I okay. always have. I always have because they were more supportive. Gotcha. I mean, I didn't have to front with them. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. No. I get, no, you're right. But you're right. You didn't have to front with them. <laughs> I get it. I, and they, get it. And they supported you. Gotcha. And, and your endeavors and whatever, but um, you know, and, and they become they become our heirs. You're right. You're right. I have a friend right now in Cleveland. He's 75 years old, and uh, his nieces call him up as of two years ago, and we both know what that's about. Money. Well, he's 75. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now I'm a, I'm one of the fortunate ones because I. I am in a long-term relationship. I have been for many years. I don't expect that to end. So therefore, I can look forward to sharing my life with my my, my husband for the you know for as many years as I'm here. Uh, we do a lot of travel. We you know we spend a lot of time with our friends. We you know we have grandchildren that come visit, etc. And we go there. So. My life itself is pretty, uh, uh, pretty late, pretty well laid out. But every other man has to take a look at what he has and decide whether or not that's enough. That out of what he has, well, I'm talking about everything. He has to look around and 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 value everything to include, you know, all of his friends, his uh, where he lives his neighbors, his relationship with family, uh, you know, his, his uh, medical support, everything, and ask himself, 
is this enough? It may not be everything you want, but is it enough? If it's not enough, I think you've got to go to work and try to create and make it enough. But to, to make peace with what is going to be enough that will sustain you and continue to uh, enrich your life, continue to, 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 to keep you going forward one day to the next. Right. Because ultimately, you know, uh, life is only what you make it. That's it. So it's a matter of making that choice, sitting down and really doing an inventory. Is this enough? Do I need to do more? And it's like also making plans. Uh, and and uh, something we were talking about today uh, at home, and that is ensuring that all of your paperwork is done, that, you have a, that you've established a plan for the end of your life as well. Who's going to take care of you? Uh, is there a will? Is there a durable power of attorney? Is there a medical directive? All that stuff in place. So that if something happens, you can manage whatever that is. Like, um, I'll be retiring in a few years and I want to get in the car and take off. I'm trying to adapt by being alone. That I'm going to have to do everything alone. Well, are you really meant to be alone? I mean, do you really find that? Um, are you meeting people who also have the same feeling and you kind of... No, no, I'm not. Really? See, I will, I will cross this country by myself alone. I know that. I even went up to Savannah as a test. Could I do this alone? And I did. Went to the drove and it was that eight-hour drive. Went to Savannah, stayed the whole week to see if I could do it. Because ultimately, that's what's going to be happening. And, and, and I don't like I don't like that. I don't like the prospect to that, but that's way it's going to be. Right. I can see that. So, I can do it. And when I retire, I plan on getting in the car and taking off. Wow. And I may be going for two or three months. <laughs> wow, so you really, so you plan on doing a cross-country trip? What's oh, yeah, like? easily. Really? Yeah, easily. Think nothing of it. So, wait a minute. So I just don't want to do it alone. I mean, but so if I have to, because I want to tell you something, my situation cannot hold me back from doing what I want to do. It can't. Okay. It, 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 you have to just go on to the last breath and just go and do what you have to do. You know, I'll give you an example. I can be very lonely. I mean, um, I've done everything going shopping. I'm in the car alone. I wake up alone. I go to work alone. I come home alone. I eat alone. I go to the stores alone. I do everything alone. That when someone gets in the car, it's like it's strange because I don't have anybody in the car. Okay. There's no one to go any place. Okay. And if I say, let's go to the bar and have a drink, it's me asking them. Right, right. Well, you I mean, see what I'm saying? Right. I so, get, I get. <laughs> and I don't think I'm asking for too much. I, I'm, I really don't. And yeah. if I am, please say so. I mean, I don't think I'm asking for more than anybody else wants. It just isn't happening. When it comes down to the time that you said... Man, what was that moment when you said, "Man, I'm getting old"? <laughs> what was that? What was what was that moment? What did it feel like? Tell me exactly what was that moment that you said, "You know what? I'm getting old." Well, I think I started.
talking about being an old man jokingly when I turned 30. Oh, God. But it wasn't about <laughs> feeling old. It was about feeling mature. I think I've arrived. I don't feel like a child anymore. I don't feel naive. I don't feel inexperienced. I think at, I got to a point where I thought I was ready for the world. Yeah. I'm really ready to live on my own terms, and I don't have to ask anybody's permission to be me. I'm big and bad and grown and old enough to live life on my own terms and to hell with anybody who doesn't like it. Yeah, okay, I like that. So that is the privilege of old age. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the point where they just go, oh, Steve, don't pay any attention to what that old man says because he'll say anything. And that is one of the privileges of old age. (laughs) It is not a burden. It is a privilege. You can say whatever the hell you want to say. And you know what? You've earned that. Actually, you've earned that right. Yes, and so I lost my edit button, and I'm not looking for it. (laughs) So, okay, so now that you've lost your edit button, <laughs> do you find yourself pretty much, because uh, I think a lot of people, at least what I've come across, a lot of people who are just completely honest, And but the thing about it is they don't seem to, they don't seem to lose the people around them, because by this time, a lot of people just kind of either accept it, because like, well, he is older, he can say what he wants, or people just get their feelings hurt, or either just simply kind of push away. Have you noticed, when you're losing that edit button, have you noticed the interaction with people have changed a little bit with you? Not really, I found that actually it attracts people. People love honesty, people love frankness, people can smell phony, that will push people away. When you're true. honest, and people know that what you see is what you get, that actually attracts people. It is not a problem at all, it's actually, a magnet and I find that I have more friends than ever so one last question when would you actually say that you found that moment that you just felt like damn I'm old <laughs> what was that moment mm-hmm. and what do you remember like what Every was it of- <laughs> what was that damn I'm old you know yeah well, I have those moments only when I look in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> when I look in the mirror I say to myself but what would you say to those guys that you I'm pretty sure you've come across a lot of people who are your peers and or neighbors or someone that says, you know what, it sucks being old. What would you really say to them? I would say change your attitude because you can't change getting old. That is a fact of life. So there are some things that are inevitable. And so we have to understand what it is to accept the things that we cannot change. What is that, that fool's prayer? I know that those in recovery say that. But a lot of that is acceptance and learning to like yourself. If you like yourself at who you are today and you have something to look forward to tomorrow, then it'll take care of itself. It really will.